Let's turn in God's Word to Isaiah and chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8, we're reading this evening verses 19, chapter 8 verse 19 through chapter 9 verse 1. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19 through chapter 9 verse 1. God's people, let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we're thankful that You are the God who is holy. Thankful that You are deserving of all honor and praise and glory. Now we plead that You would speak to Your people for Christ's sake. We don't deserve You to speak to us, but we plead You would because of the righteousness and the love that You have shown to us in Christ. And so continue showing us that love. And show us mercy and Your grace, Your steadfast love, and Your truth as You speak Your Word to us this evening. And we pray that You would humble Your servant and grant us to hear You and You alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. These are God's words. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God? For the living, to the dead, to the law, and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Neptali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. Those are God's words. Well, you remember Isaiah was called by Jehovah not to, last Lord's Day, not to look unto a confederacy with Assyria, As King Ahaz, most of Judah were doing, they were looking to Syria, uh, Assyria, uh, to grant them and to solve their problems from Syria and Israel who were coming up against them. And we heard verse 12 that it says, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say, a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. And so again, Judah, they were looking to Assyria for help against Israel. But Isaiah and the remnant, the faithful followers of the Lord, they must look to Jehovah. They must look to the Lord. They have to trust Him alone as their sanctuary and as their safety. And Isaiah, we heard, is to minister the Word of God. And through those means, the true disciples will receive the Word of God and that Word of the Lord will be sealed up to them. Verse 16. It says, Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my 
disciples. We have similar language to that in our passage this evening. And then we heard that Emmanuel, Christ, speaks in verses 17 and 18, which says, And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And the first part of verse 18, you remember, quoted from Hebrews, quoted Hebrews referring to Christ and His people. And these verses are about Christ awaiting the ingathering of those given to Him by the Father, the elect of God given to Him. And then the passage before us, gives more warning. We had heard the warning last Lord's Day. Don't say a confederacy like they're saying a confederacy. Isaiah and the remnant don't say a confederacy. Don't go after Assyria. And now we see another warning. And the first point this evening is sinful seeking. Sinful seeking. What is the world doing? What was the great majority of the covenant people, yet covenant-breaking people, the same covenant-breaking people in Judah doing? This you must not do, Isaiah. That's what we heard last Lord's Day. It's the same thing we hear this evening. You must not do, Judah. If you're of the true remnant, you are not to do this. What What were they doing? What were Judah and King Ahaz doing? They were turning to Assyria. But there's some other people in Judah who were turning to something else. They were turning to mediums and spiritists or spiritualists. Spiritists. These were looking to the magic arts, sorcery, enchantments that were performed by muttering. You see the word in the passage. These are the dark arts, soothsayers, diviners, wizards. And yes, children, there's, there's such a thing as magic and sorcery. And wizards, real. It's real. But it's greatly evil and wicked and of Satan. And that's the warning the Lord gives us this evening. Because here, there is Isaiah and there's the remnant. And the Lord warns them about these, um, we might say today, occult members. The people of the occult, soothsayers, the workers of divine arts and diviners and soothsayers and wizards. Verse 19. It says in chapter 8, verse 19, And when they shall say unto you, Who's the they? Well, it's, that's the people of Judah. Just like King Ahaz and, and some, a lot of Judah were saying, We need to go and have a confederacy with Assyria. Here's some more people in Judah. And they, what do they say? Well, And they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? So just like we have in our day, they had in their day. Palm readers. I remember when I was a kid, we had the the Ouija boards. That was a game. It's not a game. It's of the occult. It's wicked. We're... Kids or adults are playing the game of having a seance. 
There was a great majority of Judah who were saying a confederacy, a confederacy, that's what we need. There were also those in Judah who were saying, well, let's seek to know what's going to happen in the future from those that have familiar spirits and wizards and mutterers. This was already mentioned in Isaiah 2 verse 6. It says there, Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replentished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves and the children of strangers. And so there were those who were advocating, like the Philistines, they were advocating a more radical approach that they should seek to know the future from mediums and spiritists which claim to be in contact, as we see in verse 19, they claim to be in contact with the dead. And so they could know the future. This, friends, was completely, completely forbidden for Israel and anyone, especially with God's people by God. Deuteronomy 18. And says, the Lord says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that's the land they're in now, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar, familiar spirits, same word here, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. So don't go after them. Right, that's what he's saying. So now in Isaiah's day, there are those in Judah who have broken God's commandments. They're saying, hey, let's go ask the necromancer. Let's make contact with the dead. Maybe they have an answer to the solution to this Israel-Syria problem as they're coming up to attack Judah. The last part of verse 19, we have two contrasting thoughts or phrases. It says, Should not a people seek unto their God? And that's in contrast to the words, For the living to the dead. Shouldn't we be seeking God rather than the dead? Even the unbelieving pagan, the heathen, sought after their false god. Shouldn't Judah then, which has the true God, made known to them by His Word and by the covenant, should they not seek after Him, their God, who is not of the dead, He is the God who is living, and He's true. Shouldn't they, shouldn't you seek after Him and His Word that He's given to them? rather than seeking the dead to guide them. Shouldn't you seek after the Lord and His Word to guide you? Why were these people who had the living God and Judah speaking to them, uh, the living God who's speaking to them in His Word, why are they seeking to make contact with dead men? To seek the dead is to deny the living God. It is to deny that God has spoken. To seek after the dead is like a flailing about in desperation trying to come up with a solution to the problem and the solution to the problem is right before your face. And yet they're looking way in a different direction. Anything to not see what's right in front of them. That's kind of, kind of what you see maybe in the, not in the news, well, in the news today when someone is confronted with a logical thought and they say, can't be that. 
Right? Here's a man. Well, no, that's not a man. Or that's a woman. No, that's not a woman. It's, it's, it's like that. And that's why spiritualism, the wizardry, all that, uh, all that kind of stuff, that's why all those things are a denial of the living God and a denial of the gospel and a denial of biblical Christianity. And that's why God says abomination to those things. It's looking to the dead for revelation when the true revelation has come from Jehovah and His Word. To such seeking of spiritists, that is a sinful seeking. They're seeking after a solution to the problem set before them of Israel and Syria coming up against Judah. And they're seeking it anywhere and in anything and in anyone who is not God. The God that they are called after. People seek answers, but seeking is not in itself good if men rebel and abhor the real biblical answers of truth found in God's Word when they seek elsewhere. And so when they seek answers, they're seeking answers to life's big questions, but if they refuse God's answers, then they don't want the truth and they're seeking elsewhere, is evil as they desperately hope to find convincing answers that to them are comfortable and pleasing and satisfying enough to them. So turning to these other sources of answers shows that they have no desire for true answers which are alone found in God's the truth of God's Word. And so there is a seeking that is sinful. Isaiah 55 It confronts that idea. It says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? To seek apart from the truth of the Word of God, to set aside the Lord and His Word, and then claim to be seeking for answers, is sinful seeking. And so it says in Jeremiah 2, They have forsaken Me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And we have questions. Well, why in our society is it that there is a love for diversity and religious diversity? Because people despise the truth of God. And anywhere is better than where the truth is found. And therefore, they'd rather say there is no truth or everything is truth. And so diversity is the answer. Better no final answer than the true final answer that we find in God's Word. That's the heart of man. Sinful seeking. My friends, the second point this evening is faithful seeking. Faithful seeking. Where were Isaiah and the faithful of Judah, the remnant, the true believers, to look for answers? Where are we to look for answers, friends? Verse 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. To the law and to the testimony, to God's word, friends, the declarations of God, His commandments, His promises. In Isaiah's day, they had part of God's word in comparison to what we have today. We have all of God's word that has been revealed to His people. They had all of God's word that was revealed unto them up until that point. And... uh, up until the prophets that were speaking that very day. But today we have the completed 
word of God and this and this only are we to look to for the truth. We don't look for truth in pseudo-apostles and prophets. We don't seek fresh revelation or new revelation, even though in our day it is popular for people to be really excited and thrive on the claims that they receive messages from God that are not in the Scriptures. And this sounds very pious, just like you hear from those of IHOP, the, the cult, not the restaurant, the cult that's in Grandview here, their leader uh, claims that he has received revelation from God. Sounds very pious. And uh, you hear about what they, what they hear, what they know, and it sounds very pious. It sounds very righteous. But it is very much not. And it isn't because those who say such things are really saying no different than those in Judah. That God's Word in the Scriptures is not sufficient. And saying, and they're saying, I want direct revelation from God to me. As an individual, I want dreams, I want visions, I want to hear the voices. The voice. But complete revelation of God is not exciting enough to them. But boring. And yet that, friends, is a direct insult upon Jehovah. It's blasphemy to consider that God's Word is boring. If you find the Word of God boring, it can even come as being heralded forth by the most monotone preacher in this world. And yet the Word of God is still not boring. Because it's still living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit and bone and marrow. There's no other word like that in all the world, in all of history, except His Word. And so it can't be boring, even if it comes about by the monotone preacher, right? It's His Word. The law and the testimony to which all men and women and children ought to look to for answers. The same as the same words as verse 16. Right? Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. That's what they need to keep looking to. That word which is a blessing to the hearts of God's elect, to His people, and they love to listen to it, and to turn unto the Lord for their salvation. How? In the hearing of the Word by the Spirit coming. And then, and then they, they turn to God's Word, and they listen, and they hear, and they cling to it, and they believe what it says. All that He says. All that He says. And that's where the answers are, friends. And the Word. So then why doesn't everyone look there for answers? Because it's the only truth that is guaranteed to be the truth in all the world. Why don't people look there for answers? They turn to family. They turn to what the majority says or society says. They turn to spiritists and soothsayers. Like in our passage, everything and everyone but His Word for answers. Where answers are only found in the truth. His Word is truth. And even here in verse 20, if they speak not according to this Word, His Word, it's because there's no light in them. That's why they don't seek after the truth, because there's no light in them. When they know and they've heard from others, this is where the truth is found in God's Word. They don't want any, They don't even want to turn to it to look into it. They will look at, well, if that's where you say the truth is in God's Word, 
Well, then I'm going to look to the Quran. And I'm going to look to the writings of whoever and whatever and whatever religion there is out there. But the last thing I will ever turn to is God's Word. Because their hearts have no light in them. Why were these people saying, last Lord's Day, a confederacy? Why were people saying, why don't we go to the familiar spirits and the wizards? Why say that instead of saying, to the law? We need to go to the law and the testimony. And they're saying, let's trust Assyria. Let's trust and, and seek revelation from mediums and mutterers. Why? Why seek answers in folly? Because there's no light in them. And some of your Bibles say down below or in the margin, no mourning. There was no dawning or no mourning in them. And so in their hearts, what he's saying there, there was darkness of night. There's not day dawning, no light, just night, just darkness in their souls. And sure, we're talking about the covenant people of God, Judah. We're talking about people who have heard the Word, the truth of God in their ears, but they weren't born again of the Spirit. And because they were not born again, they had no love of the truth in them, as we learn in God's Word. Not a drop of the love of the truth. There's no beauty or excellency in the truth that they see and they know and they love like God's people know. The unregenerate sinner has never known the slightest moment or amount of light of the truth that the people of God have in them. 1 John 1, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not have do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. But the unregenerate man has no desire to come to the light because his deeds are evil. He loves darkness rather than light. He loves sins. He has no desire to get rid of those sins or for to forsake them. And he sees no beauty in Christ where he hears Him speak. This is why our nation is the way it is today. And this is why there is such zeal amongst, uh, amongst unbelievers and the world clinging to the most ruinous falsehood. Because God's Word has the answer. And there's no truth in them. Why does our nation and its leaders exalt in religious diversity as deemed good falsely in our Constitution? Which means practically the leaders of the nation are very hostile to the only truth of Christianity. Right? That's what we see practically lived out. Everything is open, it's fine, except if it's Christianity. And then it's a free-for-all to attack it. And all other religions are good, which means what? It means today, what might be thinking of today, that Islam, as wicked and vicious as it is, is untouchable. Can't touch it. Despite their murderous, life-hating doctrines and ideals which practically live out, we see often in various attacks upon peoples that go unchecked. Our nation is founded on diversity of religions or freedom of religion. 
And it's an utter travesty and will eventually and ultimately lead to the destruction of this nation under the judgments of the Lord unless this nation turns to Christ. Because time and again, diversity of religion seeks to do what? Destroy the truth. It destroys the truth. And truth only is found in Jehovah. And so, this nation will continue growing more and more to seek to destroy Christianity. And that ought to concern you. But not really, because... Go back to the last Lord's day. Neither fear ye there fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. So why does our nation and its leaders... And many peoples in the nation seek to destroy the truth that's found in God's Word alone because the light of the truth is not in them, for they walk in darkness. So great is the hatred of the natural man to the truth of God that evidentially self-ruinous policies of modern liberal humanism are still preferred. Humanism is still preferred. And yet the regenerate new believer in Christ the regenerate new believer in Christ, true believer in Christ, who's new, who knows the least about Christ, has more answers than all the leaders of the nation put together. And that only by the grace of God. The most ignorant true Christian has more answers in the truth than the experts leading the nation to disaster. Even if they're a child who's six years old. They have more answers. Why? Faithful seeking is a seeking of answers from the Word of God because God is the truth. And the truth will set you free. For in the Lord is light and it is He alone. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And Peter says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priest of the holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You might ask the question then, if you're in darkness, what can you do? What can you know? You can't know anything because you're in darkness. But one who has a little glimmer of the light can see. And that in Christ. The third point, loving darkness. Loving darkness. Go back kind of to the first point and keep going from there. Loving darkness. Verse 21. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. The Lord's clear. The desired alliance with Assyria would backfire. Judah is oppressed with Syria and Israel teaming up against them, and the people of Judah have chosen darkness rather than light. They have sought the answers sinfully as uh, in all manner of places, not only Assyria, but now also in our passage from these spiritualists, mag- magicians and such like that. 
They they sought after the answers in everything and anyone except God and His Word. The very people, Judah, who did not go to the law and the testimony because there was darkness in them, no light in them, it says, they shall pass through it. They shall pass through it. It shall, that is, they shall pass through the land wandering, roaming. Things aren't good where they are. What do you do? Well, you try somewhere else. You go somewhere else, you move so that they can live a good life there, perhaps. But they can't find a good life there. And so they keep going anywhere. Like people living in California, leaving California, going to Austin, Texas. They're not going to find good there either. They're looking for a better life, but they can't find it. They're, they're hardly bestead, which means they are oppressed and they're hungry. And so then what do they do? They fret and they worry and they panic. But they don't repent. And they don't turn to the Lord. They curse their king who led them in this way. King Ahaz, they will curse him. But they don't turn to their God. They keep on cursing Him too. And so they curse their king and they curse their God. These are bitter people because of their lives, their lot in life. And they've, yet they've brought it upon themselves. Loving the darkness has led them to further darkness. They continue in darkness, refusing to repent, and they do what? They don't blame themselves. They blame the king. They blame... God. And they curse Him. They then, what do they do? They look upward, end of verse 21. They look upward to the heavens. What could save them? They look down to the earth. So they look down. They look up. They look down. They're looking everywhere. All is darkness. Behold, trouble and darkness, dimness and of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. There's not only inner darkness in their souls. There is here shown outer darkness. The love of falsehood. There's a hatred of God and His truth. And this leads to, as we see in these verses, a darkness of God's judgments. Dark providences and judgments unto them. Inner darkness of the soul leads to outer darkness of the body and for eternity in hell. And that's where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so it's not only a destruction of the soul and the heart in eternity, there is an outer external judgment as well. The weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you will not have the truth of God, the light of God, then the desire for darkness within, which is what they have, leads to the darkness of divine judgment. And that's what we're shown In verses 21 and 22, clinging to the darkness, becoming bitter, cursing God, no repentance, just anger until ruin comes down upon you. That was the majority of Judah. That's what would happen to them. The covenant breakers. And then finally, the last point, loving mercy. Loving mercy. You see it in chapter 9, verse 1. Which says, nevertheless... The dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The fall of Israel and Judah was no better shown in the far north of the northern kingdom of Israel, which is why he brings out here Zebulun and Naphtali. They're in the far north. 
These were the most pagan parts of Israel, which is why he brings foreign nations. They're closer to the foreign nations in the north, and so they're more corrupt because they continued not in the way of the Lord. They continued in their own way, and which means they went after other gods and other things of the nations around them. They were also first to tremble before the king of Assyria. 2 Kings 15, they were first to be taken captive. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, came Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and took Ijon, and Ebel-Beth-Maakah, and Janoah, and Kedesh, and Hazor, and Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and carried them captive to Assyria. These places were the, we could say, the darkest places in all of Israel, the northern kingdom. These were the most rebellious, the most worldly, and they were the first to be attacked by the Assyrians. And consider Matthew 4 then. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, He departed, look at verse 9, and He departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast and the borders of Zebulon and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias, Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Galilee. We're hearing about that in Matthew's Gospel right now. Influenced by Diversity of religions and nations round about it. False worship. And this as we know in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, this place is where Jesus spent most of His time in public ministry. Ministering to those who are in the darkness. They're in the darkness. Jesus is ministering to them. Still despised, yes, but still preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To those in darkness, the Lord Jesus went there. Preached there. Taught the truth there made known the Gospel there, the way of salvation only through Him there. This prophecy, Isaiah 9 verse 1, shows us the Lord would not only preserve a seed to serve Him in each generation while many died in their sins and were thrust into the outer darkness from the end of chapter 8. He preserved a people, but ultimately the seed, the seed of the woman, would crush the head of the serpent, the seed of the serpent, the head of the serpent, and the Lord Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, the Redeemer of the true people of God, came into the world. He preached the Gospel in the corrupted parts and the regions of Israel where the darkest hearts were. That's what He was doing this morning. And we heard in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, with the publicans and tax collectors. Don't you see the loving mercy of our God in sending His Son? Consider that, friends, uh, what God's grace can do as we are hearing in Matthew's Gospel. What God's grace can do in the most unlikely and undeserving of places. Never discount the sovereign grace of God. You think you know what God has revealed. But who would have thought that Christ, the Christ of God would actually be in these places as we've heard this very day? Places of corruption and rebellion declaring the way of salvation is found alone in Him. That's His mercy. These people did not deserve anything like that. These people in these places would hear the free offer of the Gospel from the very lips of the Redeemer Himself. 
And so you're encouraged to never turn from those whom the Word of God does not turn itself. Never think you know whom the Lord will bless with His truth and saving grace and whom He will not, as if you're God. You are not. Just as Matthew, we know not all these in, not in all, all these places received the truth, but the multitudes all heard it. They heard the gospel, and some believed unto salvation by God's grace, turning from the darkness unto the marvelous light, light that's found in the truth of Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Consider John's gospel. It says. In chapter 1, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, Jesus was, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him. To them gave He power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He's the true light. John 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is is the condemnation. That light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. That's a great description of a passage before us this evening. Of those who hate the truth, they love the darkness rather than the light. And so their deeds are evil. But how great is His grace and glorious. And so we're encouraged here to tell people the gospel, to tell it to everyone without discriminating. We heard this morning against anyone thinking that you know, never have this thought, that you know if they will believe or not. Because you look at them and you say, that sinner is way too sinful. And they'll never believe the gospel. They'll never turn to Christ. How dare you say that and think that and believe that? Testify the good news to all peoples, even the most sinful and the wicked, for the Lord loves mercy. He loves mercy. Some of the most wicked and heinous and evil sinners that have ever walked this earth, friends, and ever will walk this earth, some of those are those for whom Christ died. There's hope even for you. For Christ receives all kinds of sinners, as we heard this morning. For by His grace, they will turn. They will hear the truth and believe it. And that truth will set them free, as we prayed this morning. Jesus bore the reproach. And by it there on the cross, He received sinners to Himself. How thankful then we should be. All that 
that He does for us and, and Himself and His sacrifice and His reigning and ruling. So, so you're to turn today and seeking other means. Turn from seeking other means, other ways, and turn to the truth that's found alone in God, in Christ. Turn from the darkness, lest you find more darkness, even the outer darkness, where there is but weeping and gnashing of teeth. And rather today, friends, love mercy as Christ loves mercy, and turn unto Him and serve Him all the days of your life with much thanksgiving. That's what we're called to here. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You again for Your Word, and we're thankful that You love showing mercy to Your people, to those for whom Christ died. We pray that we would follow after Christ in that showing of mercy, even to those who may be the most wicked and heinous people, that by telling and testifying of the good news of Jesus Christ, and not being ashamed of the Gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, You would save Your people. You would save your elect. And some of the most heinous and wicked people out there, you sent your Son to earth to die for them. And so we pray that you would use us as instruments of of you for the Gospel, for the Kingdom's sake, for Christ's sake, that many would believe and be saved. Father, help us to turn from every sinful seeking And rather turn to you and your word, to the law and to the testimony, that by it we might be blessed and guided to the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.